Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast, where you join me for our first match preview of the season and our first ever match preview for the Europa Conference League. I hope you all are as excited as me, so I'll waste no more time in introducing our guest for today, Hibs writer for the Edinburgh paper, Patrick McPartlin. How are you, Pat? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Let's get straight on to it. Obviously, you drew Villa after beating Luzerne 5-3 on aggregate. What can you tell us Villa fans about that game and that tie in general? I think um, I think the sort of most noteworthy uh, element of the the win in the previous round was just that Hibbs' league form had been so um, not even patchy; it just been really poor. Sort of surrounding the two legs, they lost their first two league games to teams that ordinarily they would probably, if not expect to beat, have a sort of strong chance of beating. Um, the manner of both defeats was pretty disappointing from the club's point of view in, in different ways. The first game. They were 2-0 down, got it back to 2-2 and then conceded a late goal uh, to lose at home for the first time in on the opening day of the season for something like seven or eight years in a row. And the second game was just a, a kind of pretty lacklustre performance, um, really disjointed, no cohesion, no fluidity, anything like that. And I think having having the success of the first legs, sort of beating Luzerne 3-1 uh, in front of a packed Easter Road Stadium, kind of got people's hopes up going into the second game but then when that was when that turned out to be a defeat that then had people fearing the worst I think for the second leg of the European game so to go there and get a result in the manner they did um, I think just it's 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 a bit strange at the moment it's the clubs called it a roller coaster I think the fans feel like it's a bit of a roller coaster um, I think the the only thing you can say with certainty about Hibs at the moment is that they are going to be inconsistent you never know what Hibs you're going to get what Hibs is going to turn up um, so it's it's interesting, I think, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel a lot more aligned now. Uh, how does it feel to follow Hibernian in Europe? Um, it's, I think it's the first time that I've properly covered the club um, as the sort of main sort of head reporter for uh, the Ember Evening News. So it's, it's interesting. It's different to, um, different to sort of everyday league games or domestic cup games. Uh, teams are obviously a bit of an unknown quantity. There's a bit more of an atmosphere at the games. You've obviously got these, you know, midweek matches under the lights, which are always, um, I think, always a bit more, a bit more exciting and atmospheric to cover than maybe sort of a drizzly Saturday afternoon at three pm. Um, but I think it's the, the club has such a, a sort of varied history in Europe, going back to sort of late fifties, early sixties, when they were really quite a force uh, in continental competition up until, you know, maybe the last 15, 20 years when they've been in Europe quite a lot, but not really performed well or done anything noteworthy. Apart from the odd result here and there, it's been it's been very brief. It's been it's been short and sweet. Um, maybe a couple of rounds of qualifiers, and then you know that's it for another season. But it's 
I think generally speaking, the club would feel they should be in European competition most, if not every season, given you know the size of the club, the history, uh, the ambitions, targets, etc. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting, and obviously it throws up the potential for ties like this one, which I think is going to be going to be a really interesting, really interesting tie, really sort of exciting, uh, a lot of interest in it, um, given the whole Battle of Britain. Uh, aspect to it but yeah it's um it's something it's different from the norm it's something to something to look forward to it kind of breaks up the not the monotony but i suppose the the kind of the regularity of the sort of domestic season something a bit different keeps it fresh yeah i I think that's a really good way of putting it i just want to touch slightly on the start to your scottish premiership campaign obviously you sit in 11th yet to pick up a point you're at home versus livingston this weekend do you think that there's any chance that you'll rotate a team either for the Livingston game or the Villa game? Or do you think with with it being crucial to get to a good start in the first leg and trying to pick up your first points that maybe we see both starting teams play that and then obviously fatigue comes into it and injuries? Just enlighten us Villa fans as to maybe what we can expect team-wise. It's, it's a difficult one because quite often, I mean, even, even faced with the Hibs team for a game, you know, we might think sitting in the media, uh, in the press box, this is going to be 4-2-3-1, it's going to be 3-5-2, or, you know, this player is going to play in defence, this one's going to play in attack, and then it's something entirely different. So, I mean, the Hibs played yesterday in the sort of League Cup uh, round of 16, and there were six changes from the team that had started against Luzerne on Thursday night. And I think some of them were necessitated by injury, some of them were necessitated through, uh, as you say, fatigue, um, you know, there are players coming back who maybe aren't really up to full fitness. Um, and I think asking them to play sort of the bulk of the game on Thursday night, then the bulk of the game on Sunday, and then go again on Wednesday, obviously, because there is a there is like a shorter gap between the, the Sunday game and and the first leg of the European game. I think it's I think the, the team that comes out on, on Wednesday is probably going to be the strongest one that they can put out for the type of game that it is. Um, I think the difficulty is that it, it's not it's not the biggest squad at the moment. There are sort of maybe three or four injuries at the moment. Um, a couple of youngsters have been on the bench for I think the first two games of the season and the European games. So it's it'll be I imagine on Wednesday night it will be the strongest team that they can put out. Again, it depends on what happens then. But I think the the weekend's game against Livingston. There's obviously a bit more of a gap between the end of that game and the second leg. And so there's the chance for rotation. But at the same time, as you rightly point out, bad start to the season. They really need to get points on the board. So I think it will just take careful careful management of both games and of the players, make sure they're rested, recovered, etc. And ideally try and get as many of them to play the bulk of both games uh, in a bit to get positive results on both, uh, both games. That's a million pound dilemma, isn't it? Trying to weigh up who can and can't play and trying to find that balance. So many people have struggled and, you know, when people get it right, you often see see success. So can you tell Villa fans a bit more? I mean, I hate to kick you when you're down. You've obviously lost to Motherwell and St Mirren so far this season. Can you describe those performances to to Villa fans? Maybe what could we expect when we visit you at home from next week? Uh, I think when Hibs play at home, it's often... I don't want to go down the fortress cliche, but I know that's what the club quite quite likes. They like having 
big home games with kind of sellout crowds. Um, I mean, the players seem to thrive off an atmosphere. Uh, it was noticeable on Sunday, for instance, like there was less than 10,000 at the game. Uh, a lot of them were fans of the, the away team. And Hibs got off to quite a slow start. And I just sometimes think that, you know, with a sort of packed Easter roads, when, you know, the fans are going, the songs are going, that kind of lifts the players from, from minute one. So I think, I think that's probably that's probably likely to be the case again on Wednesday. It's obviously it's a huge game. It's one of the biggest club, uh, one of the biggest games the club's played in a while. And, you know, I think the fans will be up for it. The players obviously will be up for it. The staff will be up for it. So that, that creates a different atmosphere. Um, but again, I, I go back to what I was saying that you just, you don't know what Hibs you're going to get. I think if you can, from the manager's point of view, if you can put everything in place to ensure that, you know, he's sort of pointing out that it is a big game. It's a European night. The potential of you know reaching to the group stages if they if they can somehow um, can help somehow defeat Villa obviously the odds are stacked against them but I think I mean players talk about big occasions they talk about playing off adrenaline and I, I just wonder whether that might um, that might come into play it obviously seems to come into play against Luzerne on on Thursday night I mean I'm not I'm not sure a lot of people would have seen necessarily the performance that came on Thursday night last week I think they maybe thought. It would be a bit of a struggle that if Hibs were going to get through, then it would be by the skin of their teeth and not in the manner it was, which was, I mean, yeah, it was a 2-2 draw on the night, but I think overall over the two legs, it was it was fairly convincing against a team that many people thought would, would put Hibs out. So I think the occasion will probably help. I think a positive result yesterday will help. And I think having a full house as well uh, could, could also play a big part. Um, I mean, Lee Johnson's talked a lot about how the, the players sort of feed off the fans' energy and, you know, there's no better game for the players to feed off the fans' energy than the one of this magnitude. So I think I think it'll be a fast start. I think it'll be quite, um, not necessarily end-to-end, but I think it'll be quite kind of fast-paced. I think it'll be quite kind of breathless um, on Wednesday night. You mentioned Lee Johnson, and I will come back to him slightly later on, but the la- the last thing I want to focus on is... Obviously, we've we've touched on the league and the cup. I just want to bounce back to the league again slightly for you, and I want to ask, what was your your aim for this season, and has that already changed? Only being two games in, um, from the club's point of view, they they would also they would always say that for every season, the sort of minimum aims are finishing top three or four in the league and going far in both domestic cups. I don't think that's changed. Um, it's sort of two two games into the league season. Yeah, you can argue that they're games that they probably should have should have won uh, on paper, but I mean, I think when you get to the sort of mid table in the Scottish Premierships, when you're getting from sort of third, fourth down to maybe eighth, ninth, then anybody can beat anyone on their day. I mean, that probably extends to the Scottish Premiership as a whole. We saw yesterday, Kilmarnock beating Celtic, albeit in the cup, um, but Kilmarnock also beat Rangers on the opening day of the season. So, you know, there are teams. There are teams capable of getting results uh, against um, against the odds. So I think I think you know two games isn't really uh, a big sample size. Uh, I think that as as the players kind of get more used to uh, some of the players getting more used to Scottish football, some of the players coming back from injury get up to speed. Um, I sort of I think just a bit of cohesion. I think that comes with time. You can play all the friendly matches in the world, but it doesn't really match up to a competitive game. 
And I think you've actually seen over the European games and certainly yesterday that you know there are improvements coming in the team. There's also there are problems that need fixed. Um, there's sort of lingering concerns um, in certain kind of areas of the team. But I don't I don't think I don't think losing the first two games of the season would have necessarily altered any uh, any expectations from the teams the team's point of view. Um, I mean, it's it's a cliche, but managers managers would say it's a long season. Uh, there's still you know 36 games left, um, and yeah, I think they I think they probably still hit their stride, and you know I think they would still be confident of finishing sort of top three before um, they're already in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, and they'll be hopeful of uh, at least replicating that, if not bettering it in the in the uh, in the Scottish Cup as well. So I, I don't think I don't think it's changed anything. It's it's a bad start to the season. I don't think anyone. Um, Anyone would pretend otherwise, but you know there's still plenty of time for them to you know turn things around. Um, and depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks, I think we'll get in some sort of impression about if that's going to happen, how long it's going to take, or if it's going to be a, another long old season for uh, for Hibs fans. Yeah, of course. I mean, it is a long season. I mean, last season Villa still had Gerard at the, at the start and. Then obviously everything changed. So yeah, we we don't need reminding of that. We we mentioned Lee Johnson, and I'm I'm going to touch on him now. He doesn't have a great history with Villa fans. Um, he often he often sparks some debate when he comes to Villa Park. I remember him him criticizing Villa Park for having two home ends behind the goal as the away end is situated towards the side of the pitch, which which stirred up a few Villa fans the wrong way. How, how's he perceived at Hibs? How would you say? He's done in his job. What are his characteristics? And, you know, is, is he well-liked? I think the jury's out for a lot of fans uh, about Lee Johnson. I think that he has a tendency to rub them up the wrong way. Um, I think sometimes his reaction to maybe defeats or poor performances isn't really what the fans want to hear. I think sometimes they want to hear him coming out and holding his hands up and saying, yeah, that one's on me. Uh, rather than perhaps digging individual players out. And I mean, it's, it's not so much that he sort of pins the defeat on them, but he sort of picks out moments and says, you know, player X didn't do this or player Y did that. And that was kind of instrumental in the in the defeat and losing the goal and, and whatever. I think that, I mean, he said himself that he, when, he, when he first came in, I think he was expecting it to be a bit of an easier job than it turned out to be. I don't think that was necessarily underestimating the size of the job. I think it was I think it was more just a kind of confidence in his own abilities to be able to come in and kind of seize the club by the scruff of its neck. And I suppose take them to to where the fans and the board of directors would want them to be, which as we discussed is the latter stages of both cups and kind of top three, four in the league. Um didn't pan out that way in his first season. There were there was a lot of pressure on him, especially in the lead up to the World Cup break and shortly afterwards. Um, I think there were a lot of fans who would have been more than happy to see him replaced. Um, but then a couple of smart signings in January and moving out some some players who maybe weren't going to be playing that much um, seemed to have a bit of a galvanizing effect on the team. And the second half of the season was actually it was actually pretty. It was actually pretty good. There was some good football. There were some good results. Um, there was still the odd kind of poor result or games that they drew when they should have won or lost when they could have got a draw. Um, 
so I feel my my impression is obviously I deal with him regularly on the media front and for a journalist he's brilliant because he's a great talker he's got so much experience uh, managing in the English leagues he has so many stories he has so many connections that you know he's, he's fascinating to listen to he's obviously obsessed with stats and that's also kind of really fascinating to hear his take on things and how he sets up uh, against different teams depending on what their threats are how they're going to play but yeah, I would say still, still a very polarizing figure uh, amongst the support. There's still, still people I think who aren't convinced. I think who want him to get only like a handful more games, uh, and then if that doesn't go well, then the club should, you know, they feel the club should consider kind of moving on from him. But from the start, he has said that it's there's a lot of work to be done at the club. He's mentioned needing. I think sort of four or five transfer windows to really kind of mold the squad into something that he wants. So far, he's had nearly three. So obviously, this is the third one, the summer transfer window. Um, I mean, the club ended up finishing fifth last season. At one point, they were, you know, people felt they were kind of odds on for a relegation fight. So you could argue that, you know, he performed well enough in the it was a top six finish. They were still fighting for fourth place until the final day of the season. Uh, if results had gone differently, then they might have finished fourth. And you can also look at it and say that he um, he improved on the previous season's finish, which was eighth, um, and quite disappointing. But again, out at the first stage of both cups, also left a sort of bit of taste in some fans' mouths. So I think I think the jury's still out in some quarters. I think there's some who are prepared to give him time, some who are prepared to give him a chance to to prove that he's not just all talk, that with, you know, a few more transfer windows, the club actually will have a, a kind of balanced squad capable of competing um, in sort of all three domestic tournaments and reaching Europe. But I think there's still times when, just when you think that things are going well and you think they've kind of, they've, uh, they've cracked it or they've sort of discovered a, a plan that works then he changes it up or something happens and it it just feels a little bit like one step forward two steps back at times um but i would also say that i mean scottish football is an entirely different beast to english football um in so many ways and i think i think he sort of found that out a lot last season uh, i think he's probably still learning i know he played up here during his career i know he's obviously got a lot of experience as a manager in england but it is different um and a lot of managers struggle with it. A lot of managers struggle to kind of get a foothold uh, in the game up here. That's that's not kind of, you know, I'm not saying it's better. It's just, it's different uh, in a variety of different ways. But I think I think a lot depends on the season. I think it depends how he, how they perform in, in Europe against Villa in both legs, um, how they can turn things around in the league, how they do in the Cups. For a lot of people, or a lot of the fan base, if they don't, if they don't reach the latter stages of both cups and if they don't, you know, if they're not sort of fighting for third, fourth in the league, then that's seen as a, a poor season. It's not seen as a successful season. Uh, I think he's aware of that. So, yeah, I don't think he's under any illusions. I think he knows what he has to do. And he knows what he needs to get out of the team. It's uh, it's just whether or not he, he'll be able to do that. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting few months coming up, I think. There is a little bit of pressure um, domestically. I think the... The European games have maybe taken a little bit of the heat off, although they obviously lost the first European game this season to uh, to an Andorran team they were very much expected to beat. So, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's still a bit of pressure. There's still a lot of unconvinced fans. Um, still a lot of supporters on the fence. But I think it's it is a cliche. But I think you you maybe have to give him time uh, and see what he can do once it is his team of players who can play the way he wants to play uh, and kind of then then make a judgment. Provided it's it's obviously not too late in terms of in terms of results and, and domestic games. I mean, normally my next question would be what's what's his ceiling how far can he take hibernian but i think a more a more pressing question for you personally and you sort of answered it there is do you think that he's the right man for hibs it's it's a hard one to it's a hard one hard one to answer because i've since i started doing this job i've dealt with um three different permanent managers including including lee and one interim manager who's had two spells that combined with the player turnover and just a lot of off-field kind of goings on, it's been, <clears throat> I think the club's kind of been in, turmoil doesn't really seem the right word, but it's certainly been approaching that in in recent seasons. So, you know, managerial upheaval, big turnaround in players, um, injuries as well hasn't played a part. I think... I think what the club needs at the moment is stability and and obviously you can't just you can't stick with any manager or indeed a player who isn't getting results isn't performing for the sake of consistency for the sake of stability and just like oh well we you know we can't sack another manager or or whatever i think it's it's hard to it's hard to answer um i mean again i'm coming at it from the point of view as a journalist he is brilliant copy so i would say yes keep him in there for as long as possible um not sure the fans would necessarily agree but i think that i think that having that stability is really key for the club at the moment and i think the longer he's in post and is allowed to kind of bring in the players he wants to bring bring in implement his style of play and i suppose just continue getting sort of familiar with the different types of game in Scottish football and the teams, then I think, I think at the moment in t- at this moment in time, he probably is the right person. But that's almost on the basis of there's nobody else obvious to come in. I don't think there are any other managers who you'd say, well, he's out of work, he'd do a good job at Hibs, or it would be, you know, the club should go after that manager from that club because there's no there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to do it uh, at another club so for, for whatever reason. Some managers just click with certain teams. Um, so I think that's a problem. And I think that, I think that just given the kind of uncertainty and the kind of upheaval in the last couple of seasons, the Hibs kind of really need that level of consistency and stability just, just for things to calm down a little bit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, I think I think you sum it up really well. Um, just before we, we touch on Villa, the last question about Hibs is, obviously, you've got a few former, former Villa players there themselves in Jake Doyle-Hayes and Harry McCurdy. What can you tell Villa fans about how they're getting on over there? Um, unfortunately for both of them, I think they're both sidelined at the moment. Uh, you'll have seen um, Harry had heart issues, which he had to have surgery for. And I think he's not not going to be back available until, I think, the start of next calendar year at the earliest. Um, Jake as well is out injured at the moment, but spent a long time last season out injured as well. He was actually, um, he was injured by Johnson during training, um, sort of resulted in a kind of lengthy period on the sidelines. But I think I think the Hibs fans are probably still to see the best of Harry. Um, he had a bit of a torrid time last season. No goals, no assists, uh, quite a few injury problems, just niggly things that kept him out for four or five weeks at a time. And I don't know. I, I know he took, a, he took a bit of time to settle in, in Scotland. Um, that didn't obviously help his, uh, his, the start of his time at Hibs. There was a lot of excitement about him just because of what he'd done at Swindon. Um, but I think I think there'll be no one more annoyed than him that he sort of has a setback. Um, I think I know he probably would have wanted to hit the ground running this season uh, after a proper pre-season in Scotland and knowing the game a bit better and, and what to expect, how to play, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I would say I'd say Jury's probably still out. Well, Jury's definitely out on on McCurdy so far. Um I know a lot of fans been quite unimpressed by him in general, just some of his social media activity and just, I suppose like his, his attitude on the pitch, not to say that it's necessarily bad, but I just think he, you know, he, he likes talking back to referees. He likes getting in players' faces and that's fine. If you're winning four or five nil, it's, it's a good laugh. It's a bit of housery, but I think when things aren't going so well, it just becomes an irritation. So I think I think there's there's a lot more to come from from Harry. Uh, um, obviously, you know he needs to work his way back to to fitness. But I just wonder whether something a setback like this might sort of give him that extra kind of impetus to to really come back and, and hit the ground running and kind of do what he was signed for, which was to score goals and and set them up for others. Um, as for Jake, he. I don't think he was maybe perhaps best utilized by previous managers. Um, when he first arrived, he was talking about the type of midfielder he was. Um, I think he was signed almost as a defensive midfielder, but when he was talking to the media, he was saying that he didn't really see himself like that. He saw himself a bit more as a kind of box-to-box uh, player. And I think there's certainly been some games last season uh, and so far this season, I think maybe in pre-season as well, where he's had a more attacking role or a more kind of box-to-box role and he has looked... He's looked better. It's helped the team. Uh, he's been more involved. He's been sort of a step up from from what he was maybe last the last couple of seasons. Um, and I think that's probably credit to Lee Johnson, who's been sort of spending time with him after training, working on sort of different elements of his game, helping to bring out the attacking side more, uh, and just I suppose sort of making him making him a more valuable player in in a sort of team as a whole, rather than just saying, well, we've got a player here who can play holding midfield, so we'll just stick him there and 
and be done with it. He's obviously recognised that um, the Doyle Hayes has something more to offer and is sort of trying to coax it out of him. And I think, I think so far we've seen we've seen limited evidence of that just because he has been injured. He has he has struggled with um, with knocks here and there. But I think I think there's there's probably more to come from him as well, just in the sense of offering something more um, to the team as a kind of more of an all action midfielder. Um, so I think I think once once he's back to full fitness, it will really help the balance of the team's midfield at the moment. Um, I think. I think you would argue that he's probably, if not a nailed-on starter every week, certainly somebody who the manager would have to make a decision about whether to start. Because um, he certainly does bring, he brings something to the team that other other midfielders don't. And I just think this season, probably the manager and the club certainly needs to see more of that from him. Um, and yeah, I mean, from what we saw last season, fairly confident that um, fairly confident that he'll deliver. Yeah, I, th- I think describing Harry McCurdy as a fiery character is probably understatement of the year. Um, he's, he's a bit of an acquired taste, but you've, you've got to have players like that. I think it, I think it always helps. And as for Doyle Hayes, I always had really high hopes for him. I really liked him and was quite upset when Villa let him go. So there's definitely potential there. I'm just going to switch the focus over to Villa now. And I don't think there's too long I can talk about Villa without talking about John McGinn for this match. How yeah. how will it be for him to be back? What sort of reception do you think that he'll get? I think it'll be a very positive reception. Um, he was such a fan's favourite when he was here. Um, obviously, helping them win the cup after 114 years. Um, part of the team that helped them win promotion back to the top flight. Scored goals in Europe, including sort of really crucial one uh, at an away game in Greece which effectively sent him through to the next round. I mean, he was just such a such a well-loved character um, for the way he played football, for the way he was with the fans and sort of off the pitch as work in the community. Um, and I suppose I, I suppose just he, he, he is a bit of a character. You'll have seen this. We've seen some of the videos of him at the Villa training grounds, uh, you know, whether he's dressed up in like an inflatable turkey costume or whatever. Um, and, you know, just some of the some of the stuff he puts on social media. I think he, it feels very much like, feels very much just like somebody who's enjoying football. There's none of the, none of the maybe, there's not this kind of facade that you maybe get with some footballers where everything's very kind of sanitized. It's very carefully thought out. There's a, you know, a, a team of people who are telling them what to post and how to post it. Um, it just feels very real. Um, I know obviously he hasn't, he hasn't obviously lost, lost touch with, his former teammates um, still still got a lot of time for the club. I think it was a funny quirk that his two brothers ended up playing for the club after he left. Um, so you know, obviously, all three all three McGinn brothers have played for him. So there's there's that family connection as well. Um, and I think the fact that Hibbs gave him that platform to sort of improve and just become like a really a really talented midfielder, just a really I mean, I'd probably say when he when he left for Villa, he was probably still. You wouldn't call him a promising talent because he was. He'd obviously been, you know, he played so many games for Hibs, and he was quite clearly, you know, quite clearly sort of got to the next step. He was playing regularly for Scotland, but I think Hibs have given him that platform to really sort of go on and establish himself as like a really a really good, reliable uh, sort of English Premier League midfielder, and obviously someone who's invaluable for Scotland as well. So I think, I think you'll get. 
he'll get a very positive reception uh, and I know he'll be kind of quite stoked to come back to Easter Road and not sure he would have thought he'd ever come back, certainly not like this um, as a player. But I think, yeah, it'll be a positive response uh, until he, I don't know, until he scores or until he goes through one of the Hibs midfielders, something like that. Uh, then I think there might be a little bit of a little bit of sort of angry, angry howls and jeers, but I, it'll be it'll be so so positive. He's he's still so well loved by the support. Um, he's got a former teammates still playing at Hibs as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's it's it's obviously there's no getting away from that element of the of the game. But I think I think privately and even publicly, some of the Hibs players will say for ninety minutes he's just another he's just another opponent um, and just you know someone whose team we've got to try and beat. So. I think it'll be it'll be it'll be good for good for the fans to see him. It'll be nice for him to come back, but you know, for ninety minutes at least, it'll uh, it'll just be another player on the op- the opposition team. I think you summed that up brilliantly. A lot better than than I could have ever dreamt of. And you know, he, I, you're right. He's someone that I'm proud to have as a club captain, and and long may it continue. Now we've spoken about John McGinn. Obviously, you haven't watched as much Villa as maybe you have Hibs, but. Speaking as a neutral, what are your your thoughts on Villa, and are there any more threats that you are perhaps worried about next week? I'm not. It's it's difficult to say really. I think the the sort of obvious thing is looking at the the gulf in finances, and you look at the kind of total cost of the Hibs team compared to the the Villa team. I mean, it's I it's something like Hibs is approaching 15 million, Villa's approaching 600 million. Um, you know, so there's obviously that that sort of element is it should really make it a, a foregone conclusion that. You know the Villa sort of just coast through both legs. I mean, obviously favourites for the for the tournament as well for obvious reasons. Um, I think you just you just really have to look at some of the players they brought in and how um, how Emery's been uh, working with them since he came in. That you know, there's attractive football. There's that sort of digging in element. There's been some really good performances. Uh, I think from what I've seen, which as you say is is limited, but from what I've seen, there have been some really good performances sort of in all areas of the pitch. Um, and I think I mean you ask about threats. I mean, just take your pick. Really, I think I think there's any any of a number of players whether they start, whether they come off the bench. Um, you know, sort of pose a threat to Hibs. I mean, just you know having Ollie Watkins to be able to call on up front, or you know, like I said before, McGinn, Diaby. I mean, the, the list is endless. Um, what I would say is that I think Hibs will probably feel confident that they've got one or two threats themselves. Just maybe that unknown quantity um you know might help them unfamiliar stadium for for villa that sort of thing but i think it'll be i think it'll be interesting the way hibs have been playing i don't especially in europe and especially as we were saying with the the occasion with the atmosphere i don't think it's i don't think it'll be a procession uh on wednesday night i think i think lee johnson would love to love to go toe-to-toe with uh, a manager like you and i emery i think he's he prides himself on his previous performances uh, as a manager managing against Premier League teams. Um, I think Manchester City probably the the obvious one. Um, Man United as well. So I think he'll be he'll be relishing the chance to go to go up against a Premier League team, a manager of Emery's standing, and I think that could that could have a that could have an impact as well. He'll be so so desperate with so many eyes on the game to sort of put in a good showing. So that people are talking about his team, so they're talking about him. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, there's there's threats throughout the Villa team, um, but at the same time, 
I just think it's Hibs have a tendency of kind of raising their their game for sort of the big matches, um, and they have they have in the past few years kind of got results out of nothing. So I'm just I'm intrigued to see how it plays out because um, it could. I, I think it's I just really think you can call it, and I think that's that's quite interesting because on paper you'd say well you know Villa should be winning this three four five nil and you know still might but at the same time there was just that little that little bit of that little bit of doubt I guess um just you know the occasion and you know just the unfamiliarity and Johnson bigging himself up for kind of like a, a big game like this that I just think it's it's a really intriguing prospect and I just I don't think it's I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all despite despite what it looks like yeah I think you sum it up really well and it, it has every every aspect to be a really really exciting game now my next question you've woken up and you have magically woken up as Unai Emery the day of the game knowing what you know about Hibernian and having the the knowledge of seeing them and everything that you have, how would you set up that Villa team the day of the game to best exploit Hibs' weaknesses? I, susp- I think the, I think probably the main threats for Hibs would be the two wingers, Elu and Martin Boyle. Um, both got bags of pace. Both got an eye for goal. Um, Boyle's maybe still coming back to full fitness. He had a an ACL last season, so he missed um, missed the World Cup for Australia. Then he was out for the remainder of the league season. Uh, so he's still coming back to full fitness. Yuan has a goal and an assist in his last two games each, and he's someone who I think could be like a big threat for Hibs. Um, whether he's played centrally, whether he's played out wide, um, he is probably the closest thing Hibs have to a talisman at this point. So I would think if if I was Emery, if I could keep those two quiet and I suppose try and try not give away too much in the, the penalty box. They've just signed this uh Hibs have just signed the striker from uh the Netherlands, uh Dylan Venter, who I think has scored he's got something like two goals and an assist in, in five games for Hibs, four games, something like that. So he's he's someone who um, I mean, he was linked with a move to the championship before he came to Hibs. I think he's someone who will want to be trying to get noticed, making an impression. Um, so I think nothing silly in the penalty box. Just keep the step forward quiet. Keep an eye on the two uh, the two wide men, and I think just be just be maybe wary or not wary, but alert to the fact that defensively Hibs have been a bit suspect at times so far this season. Uh, they they actually looked pretty solid last season towards the end of the towards the end of the league campaign. Um you know clean sheets not giving much away. I think that so far this season they may be a little bit more kind of inconsistent, especially in defense. There's been sort of silly mistakes, um communication um problems. So I would just say that there's probably a it's probably the chance for opportunities for Villa if they can kind of try and kind of nudge the, the Hibs defence into making mistakes or you know trying passes that are maybe a bit more risky than, than others. Um, that being said, Hibs, I've said before, Hibs raised their game for big fixtures like this. Um, and it could be that just so far the kind of 
Thursday, Sunday um, sort of process of traveling, playing, recovering, traveling, playing, recovering. That, you know, has maybe affected concentration levels. It's maybe affected um, just energy levels as well. So it's it's possible that adrenaline might, you know, might kind of rule out any sort of daft mistakes. But I would I would think there's there's always the chance of kind of forcing forcing errors uh, if you know, constantly pressing high and sort of shutting off, you know, passing routes, that sort of thing. But yeah, I would say I would say the sort of main the main threats for Hibs would be would be Boylan Yuan, uh, who I think will probably play out wide, but both can play centrally as well. So. Yeah, I would just say keep keep those two quiet and you know it should be a sort of slightly easier night for Villa. Well, who know, there you go. If you're listening, which I'm I'm sure you are, then then Patrick has done your homework for you. Um now my last question before we get on to the, the end of podcast stuff. <laughs> Normally we have people on for a preview and then we don't speak to them again. So their answer here, we don't get to give back to them if they get it wrong, perhaps. However, as this is a two-legged affair, obviously that's slightly different in this case. So my question for you is, what is your score prediction for the match? Pressure's really on now, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I mean, it is a tough one because, it's like I was saying before, it's, you know, I could easily sit here and say Villa will walk at 3-0, but then... At the same time, if Hibs somehow somehow managed to, I don't know, put in the performance of their lives and sort of get a scrappy goal and somehow hold out, which, I mean, they haven't kept a clean sheet so far this season, so I would have my doubts. But it's, it's one of those situations where I think it really is, it really is tough to call. Um, I think I, I can't really see beyond a Villa win at the moment. Having seen what I've seen of Hibs so far and knowing... What Villa have available in terms of uh, in terms of available threats. I mean, even you know, even with uh, the sort of injuries at the moment, there are still still players in that eleven and on the bench who can do damage. So I think I think ideally, Hibs would want some sort of result that keeps the tie alive until the second leg. Um, you know, something like a two-one would probably do them uh, you know do them fine. But I just yeah, I just I've. I think they'll be lucky to get that. Um, I'm going to go with three-one Villa, and we'll see. We'll see how that comes back to back to haunt me in in a few days' time. But um, <laughs> well, if it makes you feel yeah. any better, I'm currently fifth out of five in our, our score prediction <laughs> league. So um, yeah, I'm I'm not really one to say anything. Now we always like to end the podcast on a non-football related question, and it actually gets passed down from each guest that we have on and obviously this is our first one of the season so before coming on today I had to go back through the archives of of last season's questions and the question for you today is would you rather would you rather fight sorry a hundred duck-sized bulls or one bull-sized duck uh one bull-sized duck on the basis that I just think ducks have probably got more weaknesses than bulls, no matter the size. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the most sort of, I wouldn't say I'm the most sort of physical people. I mean, I'm not, not the fighting sort, but I'd, I'd fancy my chances against a duck, no matter what size it was. 
I'm I'm incredibly impressed at how quickly you've come up with that answer. Normally, normally we have some stuttering and some ordinary, but that that was straight off the bat. Confidence, I love it. Now, now there might be some stuttering here because I am asking you for a non-football related question to be passed down to our Burnley guest who will be on for this weekend's game. Non-football related. Any any topic can be anything. We've had we've had literally anything from do you put the milk in before the cereal do you tuck your shirt into your underpants literally as long as it doesn't involve football it it will slide okay if you could swap places with any celebrity non-football related obviously in the world who would it be and why brilliant smash the criteria absolutely smashed it i love it and i will i'll let you know when we're back on what what their answer was make sure you're you come up with another question for, for the next week i'm I'm giving you the heads up now. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start searching now. I'll start thinking. Brilliant. Now. That's what I like to hear. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. However, make sure to be back in a week's time as me and Patrick dissect the first leg, as well as setting our sights on the all-important deciding leg at Villa Park. If you would like to see more of Patrick, make sure to follow him on Twitter at p underscore McPartlin. While you're there, if you are not already, follow us on at seven five hundred to halt and make sure to get in contact. We love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. For the few travelling up north, make sure to back the boys and have a safe journey. And we'll all be back next week to do the same thing all over again. I've been Seb and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.